Welcome to the WinFL Show. Welcome to the WinFL Show. I'm your host, Ian McKinnon. I'm joined this week by Dave Somerville. How are you doing today, Dave? I'm fantastic. Glad there's no tech issues on our show today, though. <laughs> right, you're giving it away to the people, you know, listening to this, the fact that when we first started recording this, I didn't have my mic switched on. But that's quite yes. all right. Quite all right. That's, that's okay. Um, something else I need to uh, point out, Dave, before we start, because obviously we've got our week five review. We're then going to have a mm-hmm. rapid fire uh, week six preview. And of course, random stats. We will be opening the review with the Broncos Colts game. Now, my <laughs> my lovely wife, um, said to, she doesn't listen to the podcast, uh, but well, she does because what she says is she can hear me screaming through two walls in the house. <laughs> so I'm not to uh, get too excited or um, over. What's what? Um, I'm trying to think of the right word. Uh, het up. I don't. I don't. Really, I, I get too het up when I'm talking about over riled, riled up. Yeah, riled up, riled up. I'm trying not to do that um, because she says it upsets the dog. So what we'll do is, um, when when we come to talk about the first game, Broncos Colts, I am going to put a time limit on this. Okay, okay I'm actually okay. setting myself a timer so that um, it'll be a five minute timer that I'm going to set here. Okay, we're going to start straight away with the five minute timer, and here we go. Broncos at home to the Indianapolis Colts Thursday night football, Mile High Stadium. And it didn't really go the way that we wanted it to go, Dave. The Indianapolis Colts won this 12 to 9. Now, that's the sort of, you know, that's all you need to know about this. This may have been the single worst game of offensive football by a team, by two teams, you could argue, that I can remember in a long, long time. It was... Just, you know, I've I've run out of words. In week one, I said Nathaniel Hackett should have been fired, right? After week one, because it should. Uh, And then as the weeks have been going on, weeks two through four, four, that's hard to say, two through four. (laughs) Five. We're at five now. Two through two, two, five. um, I've been just saying Nathaniel Hackett deserves to be fired. However, I rewatched this game and... A lot of the blame for this loss is squarely on the shoulders of Russell Wilson. Um, he missed some wide open receivers, but he didn't mm-hmm. even throw to them. Um, he just threw some passes that were wild. There was one out to the back of the end zone that I don't know where that was going. And the other thing is that he just didn't seem to be making the correct decisions. The inaccurate passes you know behind receivers now it's not just russell wilson some receivers were dropping balls uh melvin gordon fumbled again although he was he was down just down as as he was fumbling yeah. um and i was just i watched this game and i couldn't believe what i watched and it was so bad that i went back and i watched it again um and it was worse on a second viewing this performance would work because I'm going to t- I'm going to tell you now, Dave. The Indianapolis Colts in this game were awful. They were. They were hopeless defensively. They couldn't stop the run. Um, with the exception of Stephon Gilmore, they couldn't cover receivers. Receivers mm-hmm. were wide open the entire game. They were getting gashed up the middle in the running game. Um, offensively, Matt Ryan just looked. 
I hate to see it because I like Matt Ryan. He looked washed. He looked like an old man out there. Now, Credit where credit is due to the Broncos' defence. The Broncos' defence has been stout in every single game. They've made teams look bad. They have done. Yeah. Um, but Indianapolis just were awful. So, scenario. The Denver Broncos are winning by a score of 9-6. Uh, to six. There's two minutes to go in the game. They've got a third and four on the Indianapolis 13-yard line. Okay, now Indianapolis have not been able to stop the run. It, they just haven't. In fact, on this drive, they were getting gashed for 10 and 15 yard runs from the Broncos um, when they started the drive right up to this point. There they are in third and four. And for some reason, for some reason, a passing play is called. Mm-hmm. Now, the only thing you cannot do in this situation, the one thing, you can't do is throw an interception. That's it. You shouldn't be throwing anyway because there's only two minutes left. The Colts at this point have no timeouts. The only thing you cannot do is throw an interception. <laughs> what do they do? They yep. threw an interception. Now, I, I, then the, the Colts got the ball, managed to dink and dunk downfield to get a, a game-tying field goal. Because if the Broncos just, you know, run it, even if they didn't get it and they got knocked back five yards, still chip shot field goal, they'd have been up by six and have won the game. Because the Colts couldn't do anything offensively. Nothing. And then when the Colts, it goes into overtime, the fans were leaving. The fans were leaving as the game was going into overtime. Fans don't walk out in Denver. Fans have never walked out in Denver. Fans don't walk out. I, I've seen games where the Broncos, uh, they were getting absolutely obliterated. I think it was back in the 2010s by the Marty Schottenheimer's Chargers. Mm-hmm. And I think they lost like 51-14. The Broncos fans were still there in full force, losing by 30 points with 10 seconds to go. Every one of them. They were walking out of this game. As it was going into overtime, they were like, I'm done. I've seen enough of this. And the Walton family who bought this, they were sitting going, look at this. They'll have seen this. I don't know what, I don't know how this gets fixed, but I'm telling you right now, because my five minutes is just about up, I'm telling you right now, they're not going to get rid of Russell Wilson. They've tied him up for seven years. Yes. Nathaniel Hackett, either, I'd said last week, something major has to change to improve Otherwise, Hackett will be gone. I honestly think, I, I can't see Hackett lasting the season now. Uh, I'm done, Dave. Handing it over to you. Thursday Night Football, what did you make of it? I mean, it was so good that I fell asleep before halftime. Uh, and I was wide awake with this game coming on. And I was not wide awake by the end of the first quarter, let alone by halftime. Um it was, like you said, offensively on both sides of the ball, it was one of the poorest games I've seen. I just ever, I, I I can't recall a game where I've been, it's been painful to watch, but that game was very painful to watch. Um, Denver, it was just at the critical moments, made the worst decisions, not just Russ Wilson, but the play calling as well on key moments was just not good enough. I mean, on third down, the Broncos were two of 15. Now that's just not okay. The, the Colts still not okay. 
4 of 16, 25% third down efficiency. And um, in fairness, the Broncos did go for it twice on fourth down, but they only made one or two. Um, but I, I mean, the defense is on both sides. I, th- I think the de- because the defenses were both decent, the Broncos especially were really good. I mean, six sacks. Matt Ryan was seen more of the ground than he was upright. But Broncos sacked four times with Russell Wilson. Matt Ryan six times. There were so many penalties. 15 combined between the two. Um, you know, Both quarterbacks threw for two interceptions. It was awful. But, you know, Bradley Chubb for the Broncos, a really good shining spot. Um, two and a half sacks as well and multiple tackles. Um, you know, when they did catch it, uh, some, there was a lot of drops by the Broncos receivers like you touched on. Um, you know, Cortland Sutton, five for 74. Jay Judy got a few, but I think there was one or two that they both should have done better with. Um, yeah, it, it was weird. It was pretty awful. I mean, you know, it was it was weird seeing Philip Lindsay on the other side of the ball against the Broncos oh, as well. That was that was sore. Yeah, that, that was, was sore it, seeing that. Yeah. It really was. But I but I was I was glad to see him playing. You know, yes, it's, it's yeah, a shame. It's, play. Yeah, it's it's a shame that it's he's only playing because of someone else's injury. But it was good to see him, him getting some plays. The other thing was that when the when the in, in overtime when the Broncos failed on fourth down, fourth mm-hmm. and one, um, everyone was saying run the ball. Yeah, fourth and one run the ball you've been running the ball effectively the entire game why aren't you running the ball and it's what i've been saying since week one yeah run the ball now on that play kj hamler was wide open and russell wilson never looked at him because the thing is that it's it's very difficult to describe the colts did not beat the broncos in this game I, the Broncos beat the Broncos. The bon- absolutely, they did. The Colts couldn't stop the run, and they couldn't cover receivers. Yep. No, I mean that—that's all. You, defensively, they couldn't stop the run, and they couldn't cover receivers, and yet the Broncos scored nine points. I what? How right. it, the red zone? That—that's what I mean about the critical key moments. They failed every single time. It was awful. It was painful to watch. And it was, yeah. It, yeah, they're, they're deservedly have a losing record now. I, 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 hate, I, I hate to say <laughs> they, it. They do. Yeah, they the, the do. Pro- if, if everything had gone the way that uh, games like this should have gone for the Broncos, they would have won this by 45 points. Mm-hmm. And they just they couldn't score points. Now, to on top of all that, Randy Gregory, Randy Gregory was injured for this game. He didn't play in this game. So Baron Browning was moved to outside linebacker. He played 20 snaps and he had 11 quarterback pressures and five quarterback hits. One and a half sacks, yeah. That's unheard of production. And then he got injured. So he's he out. Garrett Bowles broke his leg. He's out for the year. Uh, Justin Simmons is still out. The, yes. The 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 injuries that are racking up for this Broncos team are absolutely insane. Half the team is now out. And I just I don't know where any production is going to come from for this team. I'm I honestly think this season is basically over now. Unless they can put together a stretch of 
I don't know how many wins on the bounce. I think this season is over. And the worst thing of all is that this week the Broncos are playing prime time again Monday night football against the Chargers. Uh-huh. I mean, come on. And at no point during this game, when even when the Broncos were driving, did I think they were going to score a touchdown? They've I don't even know how many touchdowns have scored. Four in five games? with what was supposed to be this incredible offense, and they've got this offensive guru, and they've got this future Hall of Fame quarterback. Russell Wilson does not look like Russell Wilson of two years ago. Yeah. It's it's just, it's it's awful. Anyway, right, I kind of, I started almost a second rant there. I'm going to stop. <laughs> so I'm going to stop. So we're going to move on, Dave. We're going to move on. So okay. the, the next one we're going to come to. Ah, it was a game. In London, oh sorry for our, for our American uh, listeners, in London, England, uh, and it was the New York Giants at the Green Bay Packers in London. The Giants were the visiting team for this one, and uh, I don't think many people saw this coming, Dave. Giants come away with a 27-22 victory. What did you make of this one? What a game, what a performance from the Giants. Mm. So, um, I mean, you know, Saquon Barkley turned up uh daniel jones turned up which was a bit surprising to me but the packers i think they kind of got left in wisconsin i th- I, I don't I, I think no obviously we said not many people are going to see this result coming I mean, we we didn't see it coming um but yet yeah, giants are they they like coming to london they've got a successful record here um but yeah green bay at, uh, after the first quarter they were 10-3 up after the second quarter, they were twenty ten up, and going into the third quarter, uh, going into the fourth quarter, sorry, they were twenty points to thirteen up. Yeah, and yet the only the only points they got in the second half was a tactical safety by the Giants, where the Scottish Hammer mm-hmm. uh, took it and he just kept it in the end zone to run the clock down and took a tactical safety by running out of the end zone. That can you, is the only can you, points. Can you imagine a team, Dave, doing making a smart decision when the clock's running down? Can you imagine that? I wonder what that's like. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> this this was a. I mean, all right, the score the score was a shock. No one saw yeah. this score happening, but the way it happened might be even more shocking because the it's it's really hard to describe because Daniel Jones. As you said, he turned up. He was 21 of 27 for 217 yards. No touchdowns, but no interceptions. He did fumble, he, yeah. but he didn't lose it. He did look good, though. He, he looked, uh, Some of his three, yeah, he made a couple really good throws. Um, I mean, you know, Bar- like I said, between the two of them, Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley both turned up and... It was, you know, it, it was basically the giant, the giant show in the second half, and that in that last quarter, they were amazing. They they played like a, they played like a team that could be going to the playoffs. You know, uh, touch woods. Uh, you know, like I said, the Giants and the Jets, they may be coming on. I've said it for the last couple of weeks, and I've been laughed at numerous times. But Daniel Jones, he's finally kind of he's he's playing for his future in the league. This year's Daniel Jones. Obviously, the Giants aren't t- taking on his fifth year option, which, yeah, after the last couple of years, you can't blame them for that. Mm. But he made some really good throws that Aaron Rodgers would be really happy with. So, 
Yeah, it it was Daniel Jones. Wow, what you know, one of the play, players of the week. Yeah, it also seemed like every time he scrambled, he was getting a first down. So a lot yeah. of design runs for him, and that that's what it looked like. I'm not saying that that was the case, but that's certainly well, what it looked like. He, he had ten, yeah, yeah, ten rushes for thirty seven yards. There you go. And that's all it takes to win, apparently, in the NFL. So we're going to move on. And it was the New York Jets at home. They were welcoming the Miami Dolphins at MetLife Stadium. And if you thought the Giants-Packers score was a shock, I don't think anyone saw the Jets putting up 40 on the Miami Dolphins in a 40-17 to win. And my goodness, Dave, this one was just... I mean, it was a high-scoring affair. It didn't start off a high-scoring affair. Uh, obviously, first quarter there, it was it was 5 nothing at the end of the first quarter um, after a Teddy Bridgewater um, had an intentional grounding penalty in the end zone and then Greg Zorline kicked a, a field goal for the Jets. Uh, but from then on, it was basically a points explosion. And Zach Wilson... He's in. Zach Wilson's looking pretty good. He was 14 21, 210 yards. Um, the Dolphins, what can you say? Because Teddy Bridgewater obviously went out early and Skylar Thompson was forced in. And um, do, are we blaming Thompson for this? It's, it's not really his fault, obviously, but do we think that if Bridgewater had been there, the score would have been any different? What do you reckon? Um. I think the Dolphins would have scored maybe a few more points, but I, the Jets put up forty points, and it, you know that alone, I think, would have been plenty to win the game against the Dolphins. Um, but the Jets, we we called this in our prediction last week. We thought the Jets were going to beat the Dolphins. Yep, we called it, and we were right. But you know, you, you say you say that about the, at the end of the first quarter it was five 0 which is a weird scoreline in itself. The Jets set the standard with the first play of the second quarter with um, Carter getting in for the touchdown. Yeah. So that 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 made it you know eleven nothing with Greg Leg getting the extra point there for twelve nothing. But um, you know it was nineteen fourteen at the half. But then the Dolphins got a field goal to make it nineteen seventeen with Sanders uh, kicking it in the third quarter, and that was the only score in the third quarter. Then the rampant Jets just ran away with it in that fourth quarter. That It's just almost inspiring to three touchdowns. And Brees Hall at running back for the Jets looks the real deal. Oh, he looks he, good, doesn't he? He looks really yeah. good. And, you know, I then obviously you've got, um, you know, the extra points as well. Just, you know, Greg Leg with six, uh, sorry, five extra points on a field goal. Didn't miss at all, all night. And yeah, the, the Dolphins... They, they they start off in the first half okay with the run game. Uh, I think Raheem Mostert got a touchdown, but after that they just couldn't get the run game going, and they needed to. But then obviously the Dolphins forced into position that they needed to try throw it, and they just couldn't really do it. It was really disappointing. The Dolphins so much hope they got off to such a good start. You know they've had some magnificent results. They beat the Bills, obviously. They beat the Ravens. They hammered the Patriots in Week One, but. A two-score loss to the Bengals, and then just annihilated by the by the Jets. That this is this is a weird. This is the weirdest season I've ever seen for top teams with top players that are just topsy turvy. The only consistent team really is probably Kansas City Chiefs. And yeah, I mean, Giants. I don't. I don't even know what to make of them. They're not a great team. They're making. They've got a record that says they're a really good team. The Dolphins, 
they're going backwards. But there again, the the, the AFC uh, the AFC is completely wide open. Don't think anybody expected half the records that we're seeing. Uh, one mm. team that uh, has got a record that we pretty much expected is, of course, the Buffalo Bills. And the uh, welcome the Pittsburgh Steelers to Highmark Stadium. Oh, I don't like that at all. Highmark? Oh, dear. <laughs> um, and my goodness, you talk about getting off to a quick start. With one minute and four seconds gone in the game, Josh Allen hits Gabriel Davis for a 98-yard touchdown pass. And... That was basically, that was it from there. The Buffalo Bills ran out 38-3 winners by half time. They were leading 31-3 and when they basically just took their foot off the gas. And uh, 38-3 winners, the Pittsburgh Steelers. <sighs> Kenny Pickett did not have a bad game. Mm-hmm. He didn't. He was 34-52, 327 yards. A lot of that was garbage time, unfortunately. Uh, one one interception, but he just really couldn't get much going against this Buffalo defense. And Josh Allen had uh, nigh on 400 yards in the first half of this game and four touchdowns. It, it was a clinic in that first half. Uh, this game was so far out of reach that Case Keenum came on and threw some passes for the Buffalo Bills. Case Keenum! Um, yeah. So, uh, I mean, my goodness, Dave, it was it was a, a clinic by Buffalo, this one. It was, but Gabe Davis, a, a wide receiver uh, for the Bills, he only had three receptions in the game. However, two of them for, were for a touchdown, including that 98-yarder, but he, he his, his total yardage was 171 yards from three receptions. Every time he went deep, he basically caught the ball. It, it was really impressive. Stefan Diggs, eight receptions for 102 yards and a touchdown. And Shakir also three receptions for 75 yards and one touchdown. It, the, the Bills didn't need to run the ball. The game was done halfway through the second half, uh, the second quarter, sorry. The, the Steelers just... I don't know what to say, really. They, 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 couldn't, they couldn't run the ball. They, uh, between Warren and uh, Nahim, uh, Najee Harris, sorry, uh, they were they had 26, uh, sorry, 16 attempts for 44 yards. They just couldn't get it going. Le- that's less than three yards per carry. Um, Kenny Pickett just had one uh, after our good coverage from the Bills, and he had one for 10. They, they just yeah, could that, not get it going. Na- na- Najee Harris has been very disappointing this year. I think after he, last he, year, he let, a lot of people yeah. thought that he was... And now, he had detractors last year. I'll be honest, I wasn't a huge fan of Najee Harris. I thought that he was uh, more a product of the offensive line last year. Yes. Uh, and yes. unfortunately, I think myself and other people who said that are being proved right because the holes are there in this offensive line now um, that need patched and because of that Najee Harris's production has dropped like a stone as very very poor at uh, the whole running game but I, I think the Steelers basically just run into a juggernaut in the Buffalo Bills and they won't be the last team to do that this year mm-hmm. so I'm uh, moving on we then come to the New Orleans Saints and Seattle Seahawks at the Caesars Superdome a high-scoring affair, Dave. This one went uh, 39-32 to the Saints. Uh, early on, it looked like the Seahawks might run away with this one. Uh, but the the Saints very quickly uh, took control of this and taste some hell. Just, if you had him in your fantasy, 
well done to you because Taysom Hill went absolutely off in this one, uh, scoring three three rushing touchdowns, three, three rushing, rushing touchdowns, touchdowns, and he threw a touchdown pass as well to Adam Troutman in the third quarter. Uh, 39-32. Did you watch this one, Dave? What did you make of it? I did. It was just Taysom Hill. This is what the Saint. This is what he should have been doing for the Saints for years, but he, he just hasn't quite been doing it. And then all of a sudden, in this one game against the Seahawks. Pete Carroll's just scratching his head the whole time. Andy Dalton, this is a you know experienced head at quarterback is Andy Dalton, and he's a he's a decent uh, backup to have to Jameis Winston. He he didn't he wasn't involved that much. Sixteen of twenty four for one hundred eighty seven yards. He did have one pick, but he also had the touchdown to Chris Olave. Um, Alvin Kamara just suddenly appeared as well. He he on receiving six receptions for ninety one yards. Uh, also got 23 carries for 103 yards. So, yeah, but Taysom Hill, wow. Just nine carries, 112 yards. And some of the runs were just power football as well. You know, it, it it really helps. A guy that can throw the ball, a guy that can run the ball, a guy that can catch the ball. He is he's just he's good enough at everything. And then it just all came together against... The sea against a Seahawks team that weren't terrible. Geno Smith, he threw for three touchdowns. Um, Geno Smith yeah. has the highest QBR in the NFL. He does, but he's, he's wa- got the highest percentage completion in the NFL. He does. It took a hit uh, in the last game because he was sixteen or twenty-five uh, for two hundred sixty-eight yards. But the the kind of headline for the Seahawks in that game is that Rashad Penny is pos- probably out for the season now. Um, so he's gone down injured. He's only on a one-year deal, so it looks like the Seahawks are going to lose him uh, for this. That that could be him done as a Seahawk now. Yeah, um, is what uh, Rap Sheet was saying. But uh, you know, um, Gino was finding his receivers. Uh, Tyler Lockett five for one hundred and four yards, two touchdowns. DK getting in for a touchdown, five of eighty-eight, and Noah Fant. You know, big shout out Noah Fant there. Three receptions for forty-nine yards. So when he was when he was throwing the ball. Gino yeah. was throwing it far, but you know it, they 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 still had they had a really good run game. You know, um, I think between the two running backs, uh, they had sixteen carries for a combined amount of one hundred and forty-two yards and one touchdown. So the Saints couldn't stop the run, but it was just like a, it was kind of a shootout in the end. But without Taysom Hill, the Saints would have got annihilated. So. Yeah, but definitely, definitely MVP for me of the week was Taysom Hill. Alvin Kamara also putting a massive shift there. So, yeah, good win for the Saints, and they needed it to move to two and three. They certainly did. Um, speaking of two and three, the Jacksonville Jaguars at TIAA Bank Stadium fell to two and three against the Houston Texans, 13 to six. It wasn't pretty. In fact, it no. was downright ugly um they just nothing nothing really going in this game for the uh for the jaguars trevor lawrence 25 47 286 yards no touchdowns two interceptions davis mills 16 to 24 140 yards no touchdowns no interceptions they didn't turn the ball over and that's how they won this game. Um, it wasn't, as I say, a lot of scoring. 13-6 in total to the Texans. Did you see any of this game? What, uh, Dave, what did you make of it? Uh, Trevor Lawrence has really regressed. I did see a, a bit of it. Um, that he, the, 
I didn't. I only remember one of the interceptions, and I know it was a really poor play by him. Um, obviously, the first round pick for the Texans, Derek Singley Jr. He he was one of the picks, uh, as was is Des- Desmond King. I want to see Desmond King. Um, also picked him off as well. Yeah, uh, Trevor Lawrence did not look great in this game. He's twenty five or forty seven. That's poor. Yeah, he got a few big big yardage plays. Um, Etienne as well, Travis Etienne. He had a decent game, a couple big runs, uh, 10 carries for 71 yards. But apart from him, uh, they also tried to get James Robinson in to the running game. Couldn't really do much. Um, Trevor Lawrence, he kept going to the same guys when he was throwing the ball. Uh, he was going to Marvin Jones. He was going to Evan Engram. You know, not bad players to go to. But Christian Kirk, one reception for 11 yards. He was literally just AWOL in that game was Christian Kirk. Just no targets at all. Um... They, they, they. I mean, they managed to sack uh, Davis Mills once, but apart from that, they just didn't really show anything. Um, the, te- the Texans, they didn't even get to Trevor Lawrence. They didn't even sack yeah. him. They pressured him a bit, but yeah. it was a, it was a poor, poor game. Uh, moving on, we then come to Raymond James Stadium in Tampa Bay. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers will welcome the Atlanta Falcons. Buccaneers uh, came away 21-15 winners. That's not the story of this game. The story is that the Buccaneers were actually winning 21-0 at the end of the third quarter. The Falcons then scored quickly, bringing it to 21-7. And with 4.30 to go, Olamide, I'm getting that wrong, Zacchaeus, got <laughs> uh, a 19-yard pass from Marcus Mariota. They converted the two-point uh, conversion, which made it 21-15. And then something happened. Now, so in the fourth quarter, on a third and five with 3.03 to go in the game, Tom Brady was sacked by Grady Jarrett. And a penalty was thrown for roughing the passer. Now, I don't know if you... I'm assuming you've seen this, Dave. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So for anyone who hasn't seen this play... Um, go to YouTube and look at it. Uh, go to Twitter and look at it. Go to Instagram. Do you know what? You can't avoid it because this has to be the most ridiculous flag for roughing the passer that I've seen in years, maybe ever. Um, but definitely, it's definitely the worst since um, the phantom roughing the passer on Tom Brady in the AFC Championship game against the Chiefs where he got tapped on the shoulder. He, he, the, the defender did not put his weight on Tom Brady. He didn't Correct. slam him into the ground. Correct. Which people said that he might have done. He literally grabbed him by the way. He didn't go high. He didn't go low. It was a perfect sack. What he did was he grabbed him around the midsection, pulled him down, spun him around. That's it. Got up, walked away. That was called roughing the passer. Now, we'll talk about this game later on, the the Monday night game between the Chiefs and the Raiders. Uh Patrick Mahomes was sacked in that game in an almost identical fashion. Slightly rougher, maybe. He was slightly thrown to the ground. Um, That wasn't called. That wasn't roughing the passer because it's not roughing the passer. Uh This was one of the most blatant flags thrown uh, protecting Tom Brady that I've ever seen. It was, to paraphrase um, some other people, it was bulldust. It really was 
It was one of the worst things I've ever seen when the Falcons were really about to get back into the game and the, the officials ended the game. The officials ended the game for the Falcons with this flag. That flag, even though that flag was thrown, it should have been picked up. It was yep. a disgrace. Dave, what did you make of it? I mean, it's hard to put into words. Yeah, it, obviously, you've got these kind of conspiracy theories week in, week out in regards to Tom Brady. But this yeah. is just, this really, this doesn't just add a little bit of fuel to the fire. This douses it in petrol and lights it. This, this is, that was ridiculous. I've never seen, I, I mean, the last time uh, I saw a, a play, a call by the referees that was this bad was probably when the Saints lost to the Rams on on our uh, Super Bowl run, when uh, Nicole Roby Coleman took out the Saints receiver when it was a blatant pass, uh, pass interference. Yeah, it, 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 uh, decent defense pass interference. There was no flag whatsoever. That should have been called. This was the complete opposite. It was what the NFL teach that is a safe sack. He, he didn't put his weight on him. He spun off him. Uh, he, yep. he spun away from him. He, sp- he spun him around. He, sp- he didn't land on him. It was fine. It was absolutely fine. There, were, Like you said about the Chiefs game. We'll, we'll come on to the Chiefs game as well later. Yeah, we'll talk but about in, that later on. Yeah, but the, just to compare the two, Mahomes one was worse. Because I, I was watching I, I was watching the highlights, just to sort of recap of the Chiefs game. The Mahomes one was worse. Yeah, he was, and it he was hit it, yeah. considerably harder than Tom Brady was. Twice, though. There was two in that game that Mahomes was hit, which if you're, if you're going by Brady's one as a kind of standard of what does constitute roughing the passer, there should have been two uh, in favour of the Chiefs uh, against the Raiders. So there's no consistency. Tom Brady, he's, he's, it's like he's some sort of golden ball that the, cannot be touched. The he's thing not. Is, yeah. He's, and and the, other th- the other thing is, Dave, that um, roughing the passer is usually called after the ball's been thrown. Yes. Y- usually. Otherwise, it's, it's just that, you know, uh, uh, a personal, personal foul. Uh, mm-hmm. But usually the, this is because the ball's gone. And then there's time passes, and then the quarterback has hit. If he'd done that to Tom Brady two seconds after he'd thrown the ball, yes, absolutely, that's roughing the passer. Yeah. Because the ball's gone, you know? And, you know, you need to pull up. You're not allowed to hit him. The thing is, he didn't actually hit him, he tackled him. Uh-huh. It, he didn't lower his shoulder and cut Tom Brady in half. That did not happen. And as I said before, anyone who hasn't seen this, go and watch it on YouTube and you will see this. It's it's a sack is what it is. There's, there's no other, there's no other um, explanation. It is a sack and it was perfect form sack. He did everything he was supposed to do. Didn't hit him high, didn't hit him low, didn't hit him too hard, didn't hit him in the head. There was no helmet initiating contact. He didn't slam him into the ground. He didn't drive him into the ground. He didn't put his weight on him. He spun him around and tackled him. And that was called roughing the path. I was was sick of watching this. And you're right, Dave, this, this weekly protection of Tom Brady is just getting to the point where how how are you supposed to defend him? If you're not, if you're literally not allowed to sack Tom Brady without drawing a fifteen yard 
penalty, what are you supposed to do? It's almost like the, and you know, I don't sound like a conspiracy theorist, it's almost like they're literally just trying to will Tom Brady to another Super Bowl. Watching this, the, the, the game against the Saints that they played a couple of weeks ago had so many phantom calls in it, it was beyond me where they were coming from. And the NFL should really look at some of these calls by officials. Um, and I don't know why, because, you know, uh, flags flags get picked up all the time. Yep. You know? Uh, it wasn't a face mask. It looked like a face mask. It wasn't a face mask. That's pulled up. Or there's no fell for pass interference because it was an uncatchable pass or whatever. You know, they look at it and go, no, you did throw the flag, but that's not a penalty. You were picking it up. It Th- was, these these it, ones, that should have been picked up. Why wasn't it picked up? Yeah, I mean, it, it's one of the it's one of those where if if it happened to another quarterback, would it have been called? And I, I've got to say, no. Well, I'm no, not because it happened, yeah. it happened in Mahomes and it didn't get called. Yeah, I'm, I'm not one of these people who buy into the conspiracy, but this does not help. This is really, really bad. And yeah, I, I think shame on the referees because they're giving yeah. what, what we would call it in soccer in this country. I hate that. I hate the words completely. But football, we call just it, call it football. Yeah, it's football. We'll, we'll call it our football. We, um, it's bringing the game into disrepute. Because you're uh, you're doing something that's going against the good of the game, and yet yeah, the, this the protect Tom Brady at all costs. I didn't believe it. Now I'm I'm thinking, yeah, it's right. And I think the Falcons very hard done by Grady Jarrett with a perfectly legitimate good sack, yeah. and yeah, just handed the win to the Bucks. Yeah. So what we're what we're not seeing is we're not seeing that if that had been a sack, the Falcons would have won the game, uh-huh. because we don't know that they were they were still down by they were still down by six points. Yeah. We're not seeing that they would immediately have gone down, scored touchdown, run the clock. That's it. Game over. But what we are seeing is Tom Brady doesn't need any help. He already has a great team around him. Got a great running his, game. Great receivers. Stats from that game, 35 of 52 for 351 yards, one touchdown and zero interceptions. And if he, if if we aren't counting that sack, which should have been a sack, he did not get sacked once. So he's, he's, he's got Leonard Fournette behind him, uh, who r- rushed for a touchdown and caught a touchdown. Yep. He, he, uh, he's got Mike Evans, he's got Chris Godwin, he's got Scotty Miller, he's got Gage, he doesn't need any help. Let no. them play. Yeah, it's it's just it's it's so so frustrating. This watching this game, uh, the end of that game was almost as frustrating as watching the end of the Broncos game for me. It really was because you're like, uh-huh. just let them do their job. These guys, these um, these pass rushers. They have to study how to do this because you can't do... There's so many things you cannot do anymore that you weren't able to do. You can't go to a quarterback's head. You can't go for his legs. There's a very small area between torso and stomach that you can go for. It's, it's a very tight, tight window. And they know if I, you know, if I go hit him in the knees, that's, that's a penalty. If I hit him in the shoulder, neck, that's a penalty. It was a perfect form sack. Mm-hmm. And they call rough in the path. I'm I'm done with it. I'm done with it. Moving on. Moving on. Sorry, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Let's, go. Let's go. Moving on to Tom Brady's old team, New England Patriots, against the number one scoring offense in the NFL, the Detroit Lions. What does Bill Belichick do against number one scoring offenses, Dave? 
he shuts them out. 29 yeah. to nothing at Gillette Stadium. Uh, the Alliance, I don't know if this is, ah, there's the real Jared Goff. Um, or if this was a case of, ah, there's the real Patriots defense that we've been waiting for. Uh, Bailey Zapp. Zappe. Zappa. don't know how you say that. Zappa. We'll call, we'll call him Zapp. Zapp. Bailey Zapp. 17 to 21, 188 yards, one touchdown, one pick, rating of 100. Perfect uh, Belichick numbers for a quarterback apart from that interception. Um, and, the, you know, a Ramondre Stevenson, the running back. My goodness, yeah. 25 carries for 161 yards. Uh, and he added a couple of catches as well for 14. Um, Dave, did you watch this one? My goodness, the, the young kid there in New England, he looks... He looks like they might actually have something there behind Mac Jones. Well, just to flip it, welcome back, Jared Goff. I've missed you. <laughs> just the classic Jared Goff kind of offense there. Uh, 19 or 35 for 229 yards, zero touchdowns, one interception. The Lions could not throw the ball. They could not pass the ball. They could not defend the throws uh, from, uh, from the young rookie quarterback on the Patriots side, Mr. Zapp. And they could not stop the run whatsoever. What a weird, terrible performance compared to what they were. They were just going gung ho. Uh, but this was Bill Belichick at his almighty best. The, the, that is how you shut down the highest scoring team. Um, obviously, you know there was the one, the, the one turnover that got returned for the touchdown. They only scored one touchdown on offense. Did the Patriots? And they got one, two, three, four, five field goals from Nick Folk. That's just that, that's 15 points right there. Obviously, got the two extra points, so that's 17 points. Then, of course, you uh, yeah, just uh, Jacoby Myers had a great game as well. Uh, for, he was the prime target for Bailey Zap. Uh, seven receptions for 111 yards in that touchdown. I mean, it was just competent play from the Patriots. That is what they really needed they outrushed the lions they matched them basically in passing yards um they didn't allow any sacks of their young qb jargoff went down twice penalties in on both sides so uh there were 13 penalties in the game the lions fumbled as well obviously they got an interception i mean the scoreline doesn't quite tell the story of the game but my goodness Welcome back, Bill Belichick. We haven't seen you for a while. <laughs> it's 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 almost like I don't know if you've seen any of the um, America's team, the story mm -hmm. of the Super Bowl winners, America's mm -hmm. game. Sorry, have you seen yeah. that? Yeah. yeah, some of it. Yeah. So when they talk about the all virtually all the Patriots ones, of which there are what, six, so six episodes. Sad, sadly, with Bill yeah, Belichick sadly. there, and in every one, Bill Belichick talking to his team and all he says is do your job yeah that's it because belichick knows this is a very very simple premise of a game there's a lot of you know difficult we um faucets to it but it's a very simple premise do your job you know don't make mistakes just do what you're supposed to and you'll win the game this was a perfect example of that. They they didn't really make there was the one the one interception that uh, Zap threw. 
Um, other than that, they didn't make any mistakes whatsoever. And they absolutely, as you said, the scoreline, it looks like they, they absolutely just destroyed them in every statistic of the game. They didn't, but they didn't make the mistakes and they won the game. And uh-huh. this New England team uh, is starting to sort of gel together a bit again. And it's starting to get worrying again. <laughs> it's, no, I, th- I think that, I, that's a bit I, I'm premature. Not, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying they're going to go and win the Super Bowl with no. Bailey's app under centre. Uh, God, could you imagine that? Wow. <laughs> Just absolutely not. But uh, yeah, that, that was that was the New England Patriots sticking it to the Detroit Lions, unfortunately for um, Ewan McPhail. So we then come to the next game. It was the Minnesota Vikings at US Bank Stadium taking on the Chicago Bears. It sort of went the way we thought it was going to go, except the Bears scored 22 points, which I didn't see coming. 29-22 to the Minnesota Vikings. And um, Chicago, Justin Fields, 15 of 21, 208 yards, one touchdown. Um, they, they didn't really get a lot out of their quarterback, but he wasn't bad. It's it's quite a difficult one, I think. Kirk Cousins, 32 41, 296, um, one touchdown, one interception. Uh, but the, the uh, running game for the the Vikings, I think, made the difference in this one, Dave. What did you make of it? Absolutely. The Bears just could not run the ball whatsoever. David Montgomery, 12 carries for 20 yards. He did get the one touchdown, but that was just a, t- a tiny, tiny run. This, this was. Justin Fields stepped up enough for the Bears to, you know, keep it within a one-score game. Um, you know, fifteen or twenty-one. That's that's a really good completion percentage. He did get a touchdown. He kept the ball out of the Vikings' um, def- defenders' hands. Um, David Montgomery. I don't know. They just couldn't run the ball against the Vikings. The Vikings are a run-first offense team, so you would expect them to be decent against the run. I think I've, I've probably said that before. Damon Cook um, on the Vikings side, 18 carries for 94 yards and two touchdowns. Justin Jefferson really turned up as well when Kirk Cousins threw the ball. 12 receptions for 154 yards. And he also was one for one on throwing for 23 yards. So he can multitask in Justin Jefferson. Um, yeah, it, it was it was a game we, we expected the Vikings to win. I, I, I think we can all say that pretty safely. Um, but the Bears' offensive line in the pass protection did pretty well. They allowed one sack with uh, Daniel Hunter. But apart from that, it protected Fields well enough for him to make throws. And, you know, he managed to scramble in the right direction for once. So, yeah, and there, there was a lot of rumours as well uh, in the last couple of weeks about Fields really falling out of uh, love with the Bears and vice versa as well. So I think Fields really stepped up. He sort of... Uh, increased his own kind of value there in that game. But Kirk Cousins, most steady quarterback in the league, one touchdown, one reception, <laughs> 296 yards, 32 of 41. He did the job against a poor Bears team. But uh, yeah, I think the Bears, their key element to their offense is their run game, and that failed them spectacularly. So Justin Fields outrushed uh, all the other rushers on the Bears mm. and outrushed their second-highest rusher by more than double. So... Yeah. Make it that way you will. And that's more just kind of broken broken plays. That I mean, There might be one or two kind of purpose runs, but apart from that, it was just the Vikings' day and the Bears, they threw it, which is something that they've probably been working on. They just didn't run the ball. Yeah, so I, I've been one of 
fields as bigger detractors um, last year and through to this year. Um, this was his best game statistically this year, by, by some margin. Yeah. His 208 yards is 34 yards more than second place. That's his highest, 208. His previous highest was 174. That, I mean, for a first-round draft pick quarterback, the Bears need more from him. Now, obviously, as you said, they, they couldn't run the ball. They could get nothing done on the yeah. ground. That doesn't help a young quarterback. But he's got to be able to do more himself. He's got to be able to to make the plays when the plays aren't there. That's why you draft quarterbacks in the first round. It's just not really worked for Fields uh, thus far. So then we move on to the Tennessee Titans. They were visiting the Washington Commanders and they came away with a win, 21-17. Um, this game was back and forward through pretty much the entire game. Um, equal score, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter. The only difference being that first quarter, the, the Titans were 7-3 up at the end of that one. And not really an awful lot you can say about this. Um, again, it, I think it comes down to the rushing because Tennessee were able to rush it for 105 yards, two scores. Washington only got 43 yards on the ground. Passing game was the complete opposite. Um, just 181 for Ryan Tannehill, whereas Washington went for 359. But again, a lot of that is when they were behind, they were just trying to chuck it and uh, Tennessee were giving up some garbage time yards. Um, Dave, the Washington commanders are really... Starting to look uh, pretty poor now. Yeah, I mean, well, Carson Wentz, he, I mean, he had a couple big throws, uh, but he did have one pick as well. So he was 25-30, 3.59, two touchdowns interception. I mean, they, like you said, they just couldn't run the ball. Um, it, the, the Carson Wentz, he had five carries, 15 yards, and that was, again, just good coverage by the Titans. So they only ran the ball 12 times intentionally. Um, and from those 12 times, they only managed to get 28 yards. It's, that, that, that's just not good enough. That's not going to win you any games. Um, obviously, the, you know, uh, Scary Terry, uh, five receptions for 76 yards, managed to get him down the field. Every time they, th they threw it uh, for a completion, they seemed to get a first down from what I saw. Um, you know, they, they had that, ma th those two, I think it was two massive throws to Deami Brown, uh, into the to, for the deep ball, and that was successful. But yeah, the the commanders, we we kind of figured that they were going to be a poor team this year. They're starting to look like it. The Titans did just enough, and the the amount of you know they they managed. They had more time of possession than the commanders, but they only had two hundred and forty one total yards, um, and they they had fifteen first downs. They only got four of fourteen on third down. Flip that onto Washington. Washington were one of eleven on third down. Ouch. Now, yeah. Now Ryan Tannehill was sacked five times. So the for the so the defense were trying to step up. Uh, Carson Wentz was sacked three times. Now, this it, it it's a game that the, you'd expect the Titans win comfortably. The Titans were far far from perfect in this game. Derrick Henry did he rushed he got a, another hundred yard game twenty eight carries one hundred two yards but that only averages out three point six yards per carry. Um, he, he did obviously get his two touchdowns. They managed to get the in in the third quarter uh, right at the end. Derrick Henry ru uh, rushed in again. There was nothing in the fourth quarter. It was defense on both sides played well. 
but I think the commanders just living up to what we thought they were going to be. Absolutely. Um, so we then move on to the last of the afternoon games, and it was the Cleveland Browns and the Los Angeles Chargers at First Energy Stadium. Hmm. And uh, <laughs> this one came down to the wire. My goodness, uh, 30 to 28, the Chargers were victorious. Now, what I want to talk about in this game um, is the, uh, you know what, it's the end of the game. <laughs> this mm-hmm. seems to happen so much and yet again I was screaming at the television because I was trying to understand basically what what the, the what the chargers were doing. Bear with me on this one. With 114 to go in the game, the Chargers on their own 45 yard line are of a fourth and two. They're up by two points. Okay? Mm-hmm. And then they go for it, and Justin Herbert throws an incomplete pass to Mike Williams, which gives the Browns the ball on the Los Angeles Chargers 45-yard line, down by two. Now, basically what happened then was incomplete pass, uh, a 10-yard pass to Amari Cooper, uh, uh, run for nothing by Kareem Hunt and then two incomplete passes by Jacoby Brissett. At this point, the ball is on the Chargers' 35-yard line but Cade York missed the field goal. That would have won the game for the Cleveland Browns. I have no idea what was going through the head coach's head to go for it in fourth and two with one fourteen to go in the game up by two on your own 45 yard line Dave what do you think of that one I mean the circus was in town in Cleveland that day I think it's probably one of the nicest things you can say um, Browns were 14 nil up uh, at one point in the first quarter towards the end of the first quarter uh, Nick Chubb ran in and Zamari Cooper with the touchdown pass as well so yeah I mean the Chargers seem to be trying to lose the game There's the, and I'm going to put this down to Calls by the by play calling calls by the coaches. Now, we spoke about the Chargers after Justin Herbert got injured. Now they then the the very next week they then got hammered by the Jaguars, and I, it wasn't just like I, I'm not being kind to the Jaguars there. The Jaguars hammered the Chargers thirty eight points to ten against a, a half fit Justin Herbert. They we we said why. Did the Chargers put in Justin Herbert, risk your entire season for one game against the Jaguars? That, all, by all means, there's a good chance they were going to lose anyway. So they should have put, um, they should have taken out Justin Herbert for that game. He was half fit. That's a dodgy uh, call that they've made. Again, the uh, the the play calling in this game was ridiculous, and of of course, the sort of events leading up to it. Uh, York had the had the field goal chance from fifty four yards and missed it. They won that game through luck and just what you know one field goal that went wide. It was unfortunate for yeah. York that, that it was his second missed field goal in the match. But at the same time, they tried to lose it. It, it they really did. They they had no business winning this game. Yeah, they should never. Cleveland should have won that game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what 
on your own 45-yard line with a minute to go, up by two points, you go for it. Now, I know what people are saying. Oh, if he'd gone, for, if he'd got it, you wouldn't be saying that. I would be saying that because there's no, you've got no point in going for it. Stop it. Yeah. Stop doing that. You're giving people heart attacks over here. Um, it was just, I, I couldn't believe it. But they came away with a win um the, the, with a game that they had no business winning and as you said they were trailing for, for a good bit of the game as well so mm-hmm. they did win so there you are <laughs> so we'll move on um and we're going to the bank of america stadium where the carolina panthers are taking on the san francisco 49ers and the 49ers just cruised this one it, it the game was never ever in doubt and I, I don't know what to make of Baker Mayfield now. I said this last week that I thought when when the Panthers signed him, I thought he was a big upgrade um, over Sam Darnold um, and who they had, PJ Walker. And I, I'm not seeing it. I'm seeing nothing from Mayfield. Jimmy Garoppolo, on the other hand, he's doing what Jimmy does. 18 of 30, 253 yards, two touchdowns. Reading of 109.4. This game was never in doubt. Um... Christian McCaffrey, 14 for 54 uh, running, and he had seven catches for 50 yards uh, receiving. He had one touchdown, so he got over 100 yards scrimmage, one touchdown, as he will do every week that he's healthy. (laughs) So I don't know what else you can say about this other than that the Panthers just got completely outplayed and outcoached in this game. What did you think? Uh, Absolutely. And like you say, that the Panthers got outcoached, which has now led to Matt Rule being dismissed by the Panthers. So we've got our first casualty of the head coaches uh, this year. Um, Also, uh, Steve Wilkes is replacing him. I think think not too many people were surprised at that. I think uh, Matt Rule's coat has been on about as sugarly a peg that you could get for quite some time now. So I don't think anyone's particularly surprised, but yeah, yeah, he right, he got let go. He did, but also, um, he you know he was in the third year of a seven-year contract. Now, if I remember rightly, uh, that he was he, he's going to be paid forty-eight million dollars not to coach the Panthers. Wow, that's an astronomical amount of money. Um, but I think the story of this game. Do you well, know what? I'm, sorry, po- sorry to interrupt you, no, uh, And I was just going to say, I, I would do that for half. Only half? I, 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 would w- do- I wouldn't coach the Panthers for half that. I mean, I'd do it for 1% of that. <laughs> <laughs> we could probably, we could probably pay, pay for a, a, a massive setup for the podcast and just spend it all on marketing. Because last year, last year when, when the Broncos had Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback, mm-hmm. the Panthers were paying Teddy Bridgewater not to play for them. Yeah, that's right. This year, the Browns are paying Baker Mayfield not to play for them. And now the Panthers are going to be paying Matt Rule not to coach them. Yeah. Just, I, I don't know how the fiscal workings of an NFL franchise work, but I'm pretty sure it's not supposed to be like this. No, but um, I, I mean, it's it's been, like you said, it's been coming. It's been in the pipeline. They, the Panthers have been really poor and they've made, there's, it's it's not just that there's been some sort of questionable play calls. I don't think they've used Christian McCaffrey to his full um, potential. Baker has not been up to scratch. He, in fairness to him, in this game, I think there was three or four blatant errors by the receivers, not by Baker, but by the receivers. 
uh, that you know they dropped simple catches that could have led to you know, first downs and whatnot. But he was also sacked six times. That that is a problem on the offensive line. There, he he did get picked off as well. Um, you know, it it was a case of he he did get injured as well. Not surprising considering he was uh, sacked six times. He's got a high ankle sprain and he could be out for a few weeks. So looks like PJ Walker is going to be the Panthers quarterback for the next couple weeks. Yeah. Um, it's it's also that for the 49ers, they did come away with a win. However, the injuries are starting to mount up for the 49ers again this year. Robbie Golder, kicker, he's got a knee problem. Emmanuel Mosley, out for the season now, a torn ACL. Um, Jimmy Ward, he's just come back. He only played about three, what, three snaps maybe. He's now got a broken hand. And Nick Bosa had a tight groin, so he's questionable for next week as well. So, yeah, a lot of injuries in that game. But I tell you, one bright spark that did come out of that game for the 49ers, especially, was Jeffrey Wilson at running back. He, oh, he was yeah. just unstoppable. 17 carries, 120 yards, one touchdown. He did get one reception for 12 yards as well, but the 49ers runs game just doing doing what they needed to. Debo was kept quiet. Two receptions for 20 yards and two rushes for 12. Jimmy G was just Mr. Consistency. He, the Panthers dropped three catches, three blatant interceptions that I counted. So Jimmy G, he was 18 of 30 for 253, two touchdowns and no picks. That could have quite easily have been three picks, should have been, and could have been a game changer. Could have been at least closer. But the Panthers just couldn't get anything done. They just, McCaffrey, you know, on the run, he was virtually stuffed every time. Managed to get a couple of yards after the catch almost on almost every single run. The problem was he was getting hit and tackled at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. So he was only able to get a few yards each time. So very poor Panthers team. 49ers cruised to a 3-2 record. They certainly do. So uh, moving on, we then... Oh, sorry, Dave. SoFi Stadium. The Los Angeles Rams welcomed the Dallas Cowboys. And the story of this game is basically the story of most of the games we've been talking about this week. The Rams could not run the ball. The Cowboys couldn't throw the ball, so that kind of evened out. But it didn't matter. They rushing, they went 34 for 163 yards and a touchdown. Rams only 15 for 38 yards. And the Cowboys come away with a 22-10 victory against the Los Angeles Rams. Dave, it's all yours. I'm not going to talk too much about this. I don't want to talk too much about this either. Um, yeah, I mean, the Rams, I, I said it last week. The Rams' main problem on their entire franchise is their offensive line. They cannot protect uh, Matt Stafford. What's the point in paying the quarterback a, a nine-figure deal if you cannot protect him and let him make throws? They, he was sacked five times. He was pressured on almost every single play. Micah Parsons, showing why he is an amazing edge linebacker. He, he got two terrifying. sacks and he pressed. He had a bung knee. He, he hurt his knee on one of the plays, but then what do they do? They line him up next to Dexter Lawrence, and they've got double the pressure. They pressure Stafford on every single throw. Stafford 28-42 for 308 yards, one touchdown, one pick, and he fumbled the ball as well, which was returned by Dexter Lawrence for the touchdown. Um, the, the, the main difference was the run game. The Cowboys, um, Pollard, Eight, eight carries for 86 yards and a touchdown. Ezekiel Elliott, 22 for 78. 
it was it was so so painful. The only thing that I took from the game was that we've got a punter who can actually throw the ball. Riley Dixon, <laughs> one of one for twelve <laughs> yards to our third choice safety Jake Gervais, and that was about it. Fifteen rushes for thirty yards. We fumbled twice. Mm. And we deserved exactly what we got from it. The only bright spark was that Cooper Cup made a fantastic play. Um, you know, and again, he showed up seven receptions for 125 yards. That was it. And it's just it's getting to the point where it's painful. Aaron Donald was he got two sacks in the game, but he was also triple covered for about half the game. And the only other sack from the defensive line came from Jalen Ramsey. Who was who was blitzing off the corner, off the slot? He was, he was in the slot. He blitzed. Cooper Rush didn't see him coming. How he held onto the ball, I don't know. Ramsey got him. Could have easily been a, a roughing the passer, judging on what happened to Tom Brady. It wasn't the defensive line, except for Aaron Donald, needed, really need to step up. The offensive line. We've we've signed Matt Skura, experienced center, to the offensive line. I, I still don't think that's going to be enough. We did lose David Edwards. I'm not really big on David Edwards at left guard, but it's who you replace him with. It, it, there's just nothing really available. Um, I've, Cam Akers, I've got, just I've got, disappointing. I've got to ask you, Dave. Um, the Rams are two and three. Yeah. Um, as are the Cardinals and the Seahawks, and the 49ers on top of that division at three and two. So, on one hand, I, I'll ask you: Are you worried about the Rams a season long, or? Are you more optimistic with the fact that, yeah, you've lost a couple of games, um, they've not looked good, particularly as you've already mentioned, the offensive line, but you are only one game off the division lead. So are you worried about the division or are you worried season long at all? Massively. Um, what I, I think what is going to define our season is what's going to happen in the next three weeks. So we need some recruitment and depth, particularly at the offensive line. So... There's been some uh, apart well, there's been some rumors that there's been some inquiries about maybe some offensive linemen. Um, you know, or there's been a lot of focus in the last few weeks about OBJ. OBJ is not going to help us if we can't protect Stafford. If Stafford can't get the ball to him. It's just just pointless. What what happened last year though? We did go on a little run where we won six or seven games on the trot after a rocky start. The only way that's going to happen, it's what needs to happen if we're going to get to the playoffs. The only way that's going to happen is if we get some recruitment, get some depth. Because right now, we have guys that are just not able to do the job that we need them to do. They cannot um, run block. Cam Akers cannot run the ball. He is struggling. Dow Henderson did not run the ball once. He was put in mostly on third down. He was given four receptions for 30 yards, which is fair enough. But he did not run the ball once. Daryl Henderson is a good running back. Run the ball with him. Cam Akers is not good enough. We rushed for 38 yards. I can throw a, I can throw a football 38 yards. This was over the course of four quarters. This was ridiculous. And um, we were we were six or seventeen on third down. Not terrible, but every single play Stafford was uh, pressured. It was ridiculous. It's not surprising. He did. He, he threw one interception. He fumbled the ball as well, but the amount of times he was getting hit, can't blame him. This isn't Stafford's fault. This is the offensive line that did not turn up. And yeah, there was just 
it's it's really a worrying time. Injuries to our offensive line, not good enough recruitment for the offensive line, have really affected us. And the players that have come in, they've just really not stepped up to the mark. So it, it's going to be a dismal... Well, we were, put it this way, we were lucky to be 16-10 down at halftime. And then the Cowboys, they just chipped away one field goal in the third quarter, one field goal in the fourth quarter. It was poor, and I'm really... Really, really worried about this year. I, I, it'll be, it'll be great if we reach the wild card at this at this stage. I'd be amazing. I'm not so sure we're going to do it though. Well, we'll see what happens going forward with that one. And the next game we're coming to is another NFC East, NFC West matchup: the Philadelphia Eagles versus the Arizona Cardinals at State Farm Stadium. And the Eagles remain undefeated. They moved to five and zero with a twenty to seventeen win over the Cardinals. Jalen Hurts had. Two rushing touchdowns in this game. And um, although it was quite close, the, the Cardinals made it interesting uh, in the fourth quarter with a, a late touchdown there. And um, other than that, not really not really a lot going right for the Cardinals. They, they've not looked great. And before, before I turn this over to you, Dave, the three biggest contracts, quarterback contracts in the NFL, are Aaron Rodgers, Mm-hmm. Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray. Yeah. And the combined records of those teams, the, the Broncos, Packers, and the Cardinals, is two and three, three and two, two and three. The the money, fifty million a year contracts being paid out to these guys. And that's the kind of records you're getting. It really just goes to show you that. Maybe, and as we've seen, you know, umpteen games, it's all about rushing the ball. Maybe these quarterbacks aren't, un- unless you've got, that. let's that's, that's, uh, not beat around the bush here, unless you've got Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, um, somebody like Lamar Jackson, unless you've got that caliber of quarterback, Maybe they shouldn't be handing out these massive contracts. Now, I'm not saying Aaron Rodgers isn't an incredible quarterback. Of course he is. Of course he is. But um, there is there is nothing around him in Green Bay. We all know this. Kyler yeah. Murray's got weapons. Also, Wilson's got weapons. And but they're, they're, they're stalling. These teams are stalling out. The Broncos and the Cardinals are two and three. And it's just... Pretty poor. Now I don't know if you uh, watched any of this game. The mm-hmm. uh, the Eagles very efficient in this game. Jalen Hurts again, twenty six of thirty six, two hundred and thirty nine yards, no touchdowns, but he didn't need them. He ran for two, no interceptions, rating of eight nine point nine. He rushed fifteen times for sixty one yards. That was more than anybody on the Cardinals team managed rushing the ball. What did you make of this, Dave? It was uh, at the Cardinals. Just seem to they, they're terrible, then they're good. Then they're terrible, then they're good. And I'm talking about quarters here because they they were they were shut out in the first quarter. They scored ten points in the second quarter. They were shut out in the third quarter, and then they they got one touchdown in the fourth quarter. But then they got the ball to a point where they could get a, a field goal for Matt Amendola, and then he missed the forty three yard field goal with about twenty seconds left. It was. A weird game. The Cardinals are just not consistent enough. The Eagles were consistent enough to win. They, they, and by no means were the were the Eagles great in that game. 
Uh, you know, obviously Jalen Hurts, he, no no interceptions, no uh, no throwing touchdowns. He was twenty six to thirty six for two hundred thirty nine yards. Um, obviously got two rushing touchdowns for sixty one yards from fifteen carries. Um, the Eagles couldn't really run the ball. The Cardinals were decent at stopping them, but at the same time, on on on, on when the Cardinals had the ball, CJ got. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to find the words to this. Now, the cornerbacks for the Eagles were responsible for about 20 tackles in the game. And obviously, uh, Kyler threw one, one interception as well. That was one of the, the defensive backs. The Cardinals were terrible about 50% of the game. And you cannot win games when you're only decent for 50% of the game. Mm. They didn't run the ball. They didn't establish the run. They were handing it off. I, I think that Cliff Kingsbury, because Kyler has this big contract now, I think he's feeling pressure to put the ball in Kyler's, in Kyler's hands too much. He's going away from the run game. I mean, they, they, could, they couldn't really run the ball. The amount of times, I think it was about 22 times they tried to run the ball, picking up something like 75 yards, which... That, that's not really good enough. That's about three and a half yards per carry. Um, Kyler's he's, he's doing all right. He's not doing terrible, but he's just not doing good enough. He's got Marquise Brown. Keeps targeting Marquise Brown. Um, obviously, you know, Marquise Brown got the touchdown. Um, don't forget that they also have AJ Green, uh, who's there, and they will have DeAndre Hopkins back. But he's just, they're not doing good enough. On defense, they were decent. Uh, they managed to sack Jalen Hurts. Um, apart from that, though, the, it's it's hard for the Cardinals because, or it's hard for the Cardinals fans, I should say, because you don't know which Cardinals are going to turn up. The Eagles just kind of they did the bare minimum and come away with the win. And the Cardinals again, field goal, twenty twenty seconds left to go, forty three yards. That's kind of a standard one. Um, Matt Amendola, he was he was solid for the entire game right up until when it mattered. And that was the story of the game for the Cardinals. It's the story of the season for the Arizona Cardinals. And that's the second team that Amdol has missed a kick, a possible mm-hmm. game-tying game on a kick this year. That's a bit of a shame for the man. Um, we then will move on to the GOAT, the actual GOAT <laughs> of all kickers. And uh, the Baltimore Ravens, Cincinnati Bengals at M&T Bank Stadium, and Justin Tucker out... You run out of superlatives for Justin Tucker. Um, he kicked four field goals in this game, including the game winner, as time expired, as he always seems to do. A 43 yarder. Uh, 1917, the Ravens came away with this one. This was a very, very close game from start to finish. Um, and as I say, time expired. 43 yard field goal. How good does John Harbaugh have to feel? But knowing. Send on, send on Tucker. Send on the greatest to ever do it. No worries. 43 yards, he can do it with his eyes closed. Yeah, absolutely. And just just to say, you know, that were we not criticising him one or two weeks ago about his uh, decision not to put on Justin Tucker yep. in a vital situation? <laughs> yes, and we yet were. He, he fi- when it, while he was listening to our podcast, he made a note and finally did it. And there we go. He, the only time that Lamar Jackson looked good in that game was the final drive. He did exactly what he needed to, got the team into a good position where they could kick that 43-yard field goal and did it good, uh, very competently enough. He did have 12 carries, 58 yards. 
19 of 32 for 174 yards. That is not what you expect from a starting quarterback. In one touchdown, one interception. The interception was one that he should never have thrown. Um, it was quite poor. They they got you know, obviously they they did well in the run game as well. Um, uh, J.K. Dobbins eight for 44. Kerry on Drake four for 26. Uh, Duvernay when he wasn't receiving he five for 54 receptions. He was uh, three for 24 as well. But yeah, the Ravens, up until the last quarter, they looked a bit below par, except for Mark Andrews, eight receptions for 89 yards. Obviously, the number one uh, man for Lamar, but obviously, he also got over half the amount of yards the Ravens threw for. Um, and he also got the one touchdown. But I think, yeah. The, I think the, the Ravens have two players on their, on their squad that you could argue should get MVP votes. Non-quarterbacks. Yes. Mark Andrews and Justin Tucker. Absolutely. Without if, if Mark Andrews gets injured, then, you know, heaven forbid what happens to the Ravens' offense. He is the offense. Mm-hmm. And if Justin Tucker gets injured, they're, they're losing half their games. Because he's winning half their games for them. It, it seems like every other week, Justin Tucker in the last second is winning a game for the Ravens. So I, I don't know what's going on there. But uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. It, the, uh, the Bengals were doing their thing and the Ravens were doing their thing and then just, you know. Did you, did, you also, did you also see the extra, one of the, the extra point after um, Burroughs uh, did the quarterback sneak to make it 17-16 uh, with 158 left, the extra point for the Bengals went over the goalpost. Yes. Now, you cannot you, you cannot review it yeah, if it goes so over the goalpost. That's but right. It was once called it's been good. called. Once it's yeah. been called, because a lot of people were talking about that. They're uh-huh. saying, well, why don't you just, you know, look at it? I said, well, if it's gone over, they don't have a camera um, looking directly down on each goalpost. So it, you can't see. So if it goes over the post, whatever the official calls, that's it. Um, so yeah, that was, that was, you know, it turned out to be a very important, um, uh, important kick there. But uh, Justin Tucker made an even more important one there. So we will <laughs> absolutely we will move on then, and we come to the final game, the Monday night game: Kansas City Chiefs, Las Vegas Raiders at the GEHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium. Um, Arrowhead Stadium, as it should be called, <laughs> and uh, talk about a, a close game this one. <laughs> 30 to 29, the Kansas City Chiefs won this one. Now, a couple of things to take away from this game, and I will get you to talk about this, Dave, but before we do, a couple of things to take away from this. Uh, First of all, the Raiders were up 17 to nothing in the second quarter. Now, as any Texans fan will tell you, you don't want to go up early on Patrick Mahomes um, because he will kill you, which he did. The other thing that I want to do talk about is that... um, we spoke about Mark Andrews. Mm-hmm. Travis Kelsey had seven catches for 25 yards in this game. He did. Doesn't sound great, does it, Dave? No. From a fantasy point of view. If you've you got Travis Kelsey, seven catches for 25 yards. Oh, like, I forgot he, to mention four yeah, touchdowns. Four <laughs> touchdowns. His longest reception was eight yards. 
and he had four touchdowns and seven catches and 25 yards. And the uh, Chiefs, as I say, came away um, 30 to 29 winners in this one. Uh, but there was more to more to this game than just that, wasn't there, Dave? Oh yeah. So um, like we well we touched on it earlier when we were talking about the Bucks game. Now I I was well, I watched this game. Now I noted three times that there was inconsistencies with the roughing, roughing the passer. Now, there, um, on de- uh, <laughs> car, I was, I'm getting the car brothers mixed up again. Um, Derek Carr. Now there was one call on him. It was a sack by Chris Jones, and it was or uh, a bit of a late hit. It wasn't really. It was called right. Patrick Mahomes was hit twice, late hits. And he was knocked to the ground on both times. He didn't fall down. He was knocked to the ground. Not one flag. Now, that's not... That, that, that's just... There's no consistency with the officiating whatsoever. Just ridiculous. It was... Yeah. It was really, really bad officiating. Unfortunately, it is going to dominate the game a, a, a bit. Even though Travis Kelsey... Four touchdowns, even when he got, only got 25 yards, seven receptions, 25 yards, four touchdowns. Um, on the Raiders, Mason Crosby got uh, two sacks. He's got a great comeback story, so have a look online for that. However, there was one magnificent play from the Raiders. Fourth and one. They're on their own 43-yard line. They're going to go for it. Play action. Carr sells the run. And who's wide open down the field? Devontae Adams. Of course he is. Why would you ever let him get away? He ran down the field, a 57-yard touchdown on fourth and one. Now, that that obviously led to the Raiders being 17-0 up at one point. Um, but yeah, the Raiders, they, they should relocate again out of Las Vegas and be called the Atlanta Raiders. <laughs> that, this is, this is the, the sort of levels that it's getting to now. Oh, They've got a great team. They're just not putting up. But then, of course... 59 yard right before the half for the for the Chiefs to really kick on. 59 yard field goal for the Chiefs. And it's not even their main kicker. No, they, it's they, not. Um, Harrison Butker is still injured. Yeah, it was, so, it was Matthew Wright. Um, so it he's, was Matthew he's obviously Wright. taken some time out from doing daytime television in the UK <laughs> to kick 59 yard field goals for the, <laughs> for the Kansas much. City Chiefs. But I tell you what, the kicking, the kicking on the other side, though, uh, Carlson. He's what two great kickers are in that game. He did Matthew Wright actually did miss uh, one kick in the first quarter as well. So that ended up you know um, they were seven 0 down at that point. But then obviously that that kind of spurred on the Raiders to be seventeen 0 up. But Carlson field goal after field goal and kick after kick. He kicked three field goals. He kicked two extra points. And yeah, he he is one of the best kickers in the league as well. He's not obviously ju- uh, Justin Tucker. But he's right up there as well. And Josh Jacobs looked fantastic. 21 carries for 154 yards. Um, he also got um, five receptions for 39 yards. But every time Devontae Adams touched the ball, he was just going miles down the, down the field. The, the, he did, there was two pass interference calls late in the game as well against the Chiefs uh, on Adams. One was a bit questionable and one was definitely... but. Adams, three receptions for 124 yards and two touchdowns. That was amazing. The Chiefs said just they just saved Travis Kelsey for the end zone. That's all that's all they needed to do. Seven receptions, 25 yards, touched the ball seven times, four of them were touchdowns. The, what else do you need? I mean, the thing is that everyone knows that Mahomes is going to look for Kelsey in the red zone, especially inside the five. 
Yeah. We all, everyone knows this. How does he keep scoring touchdowns? I don't know. He just, he keeps getting free. He keeps, they're going between the linebacker and the defensive backs. He just gets in there. He just sits there and Mahomes will find him. The only other takeaway I have from the game as well is that the Raiders went for two points after a 48-yard pass to Devontae Adams with 4.34 left in the fourth quarter. Mm. And of course, they they didn't get it. So that yeah. put them one point down. That was just dismal. All they needed to do, it, it was the most pointless two-point conversion ever. You've got to have your money on Mahomes getting it down the end zone. So all you have to do is make sure that you're level and give yourself a chance because you're going to kick it. You've got Carlson as your kicker. Yep. Trust him. He's one of the best in the league. And yet they didn't trust him. So they ended up losing. And you know what? I've got no sympathy. Dodgy coaching decisions in, in the division. Well, it's, it's an interesting one. The only kind of stable one, big Andy Reid. Absolutely. Andy Reid does what he does best. And they came away with the win. And at the end of this game, um, Devontae Adams, who we've already spoken about, um, leaving the stadium, going through the tunnel, um, a gentleman with a with a, a mic boom uh, mm-hmm. stand was uh, running over to get into position. Uh, he runs in front of Devontae Adams, and Devontae Adams just shoves him to the ground. And it was uh, well, actually, you know what? It was disgusting. There's no need for it. Devontae Adams was throwing a hissy fit. Mm-hmm. somebody got in his way as he said he ran in my way he didn't run in your way he was going somewhere you happened to be going somewhere and you threw him to the ground and Devontae Adams is now being charged with a misdemeanor well, he's being charged but there's going to be civil charges against him as well in court so it's going to cost him a lot more than any fines he gets from the NFL and so it should so it should, because the, the, Devontae Adams, he's upset that he lost. I get that. I understand that. Nobody likes to lose. No one. But what you don't do is take it out on some guy who's just trying to do his job. And he's not earning you know, $100 million to do his job. That, that, that's the thing. What, what is it with Las Vegas players and for the Las Vegas Raiders. Good grief. Uh-huh. It's just, it's, it's unbelievable. I, I just can't, I, I can't believe it. Uh, yeah, he, he, you know, he deserves to get charged. He deserves to be a hefty fine. And if the league follow up with some kind of suspension, he deserves it. He shouldn't have done what he did. And I know he, he apologised on Twitter, but it, it wasn't really an apology. It was more of the guy ran in front of me. It's, oh, you're, you're blaming him then. No, he was just doing his job. You're doing your job. Uh, but... Uh, you just turn it to be a big child. So, there you are. Uh, that was Devon Adams. So that was our week five recap. There we go, Dave. We made it. What do you think of that? All the way through. We yeah. did indeed. Th- thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, so what we'll do is um, we will look at the week six. We're going to do a rapid fire week six. Uh, and we'll do it right after this. Welcome back to the WinFL show and I'm here with Dave Somerville and we're going to do our week six preview. Week six, Dave, can you believe it? Oh, it's already week six. I mean, I mean, I, I don't know if it feels like it's 
week one or it's week 26 it's been a, it's been a crazy couple of weeks anyway it certainly has so we're going to do a rapid fire preview again and we start of course the thursday night game which is the washington commanders at the chicago bears i've got the bears winning this one but i've got a low scoring affair i've got a 12-9 oh we're thinking along the same lines i've got 15 points to 12 for the bears i think it's just good oh. i think there's going to be maybe two Two point attempts, and I think they're both probably going to suck at it. So I think it's the, they're both going to uh, ruin it for themselves. I think it's going to be a defensive masterclass for the Commanders to hold the Bears to that. But I think the Bears get their running game back in line. There we go. And then we have the Cincinnati Bengals at the New Orleans Saints. Do you know what? I'm taking the Saints of this one at home. I think it's going to be a close game. I've got a 24 23 to the Saints. We're actually thinking along the same lines again. I've got 27 24 to the Saints. So I think it's going to be around the you know, 50 points uh, spread across the teams. But I think it's going to be really close. Um, it depends if Alan Kamara can get into the game and also if Cam Jordan can get to Joe Burrows more or less than three times, I think is what the <laughs> over under should be on it. But uh, yeah, Saints to win 27 24. Uh, we then have the Jacksonville Jaguars at the Indianapolis Colts. I've got this one going into overtime, and I've got the Jags taking this 13-10. to 10. I mean, I, you, you, I have no idea what to predict for this one. Um, I've, got, I've got a 2017 to the Colts. Uh, I, th- I think the Jaguars, uh, from what I saw of Trevor Lawrence, he's kind of regressing really badly, so the Colts just sneak up. We then have the Minnesota Vikings at the Miami Dolphins. I don't know what's going to happen with the Dolphins um, and I'm just really kind of worried about them uh, with some of the injury troubles that they've got. I do have the Vikings winning this one, but I've got it being a fairly high scoring affair. I've got the Vikings winning this one, 31-26. Ooh, we're so close. Uh, I've got the Vikings winning as well. It's going to be 31 to the Vikings and 16 to the Miami Dolphins because I think that the Dolphins, they're going to get a few yards, obviously, with Tyreek Hill and Waddle. But I think they're just they're going to fail in the red zone. Um, I don't think their young QB is going to be quite good enough and up to the task. So a lot of field goals for Sanders and the Vikings to take it. Then have the New England Patriots at the Cleveland Browns. This is the the second of three games I've got going into overtime, and I've got the Patriots winning this one, sixteen to thirteen in overtime. I think the Browns are going to sort out their issues. I think they're actually going to win this one, 31 points to 17. Uh, I just think Chubb is going to have a great game against the Patriots and the Patriots are going to have a hot, cold season. Well, they might indeed. Uh, we then have the New York Jets at the Green Bay Packers and we've called this one, Dave. We've called it. We think the Jets are going to win. We've got the Jets beating the Packers uh, and the score that I've got with this one is a surprising 24-13. We also went for the Jets. I can't actually remember mm-hmm. what I said for the podcast, but um, yeah, <laughs> I can't remember what I've got. Uh, I said for it, but uh, yeah, I think the Jets are going to win it. I think they're just oh, they're on the up, and the Packers are stagnating down the bottom. And I think mm-hmm. it's going to be double trouble against the two New York teams for the Packers. Oh, Baltimore Ravens at the New York Giants. I think the Giants. We we've said in a couple of weeks ago, or maybe last week. If the Ravens play the Giants a hundred times, the Ravens will win a hundred times. And then I believe it was Jake who said, maybe not this year though. So Mm. I've actually, this is the third game I've got going into overtime, but I'm not betting against the GOAT. I've got the Ravens winning this one 17-14 in overtime. Well, I've got 
the Giants taking this. I Ooh. think they're going. I think they're going to win by thirty-one points to thirty. I think it's going to be a high-scoring one. I don't think uh, the Ravens' defense being inconsistent. The Giants are starting to show up, and I'm t- taking the Giants in this one. You're, you're taking the Giants to go five and one. I am, Did and any- I can't believe I'm even saying that. <laughs> We've got the San Francisco 49ers at the Atlanta Falcons. I don't see the Falcons causing any trouble for the 49ers. I've got them winning this one 27 to 10. Big win for the Niners. Well, I'm going to do this out of spite. I think it's going to be 17 points to 14 for the Falcons. Ooh, nice close one there. Got the Buccaneers at the Steelers. I want the Steelers to win. <laughs> uh, I don't think they will. I think if this much is breathing Tom Brady, they're going to be getting 15-yard uh, penalties. I've got the Buccaneers cruising in this one. I've got them at 24-14. Oh, on the betting line, the Steelers are getting 7.5 points, which I think has been generous to uh, to the Bucs, because I think the Bucs are going to walk this. I think it's going to be 35 points to 13. Mm. We then have the Carolina Panthers at the Los Angeles Rams. I'm betting on the Rams again, Dave. My goodness, <laughs> they've got to. Maybe, maybe it's the fact that I keep picking the Rams, but I'm I'm picking the Rams. Uh, I've got a close one, twenty three twenty to the Rams over the Panthers. Well, uh, I'd be betting on the Panthers then if I were you, because the bookies are giving the Ra- uh, the Panthers a ten point head start. So um, yeah, it's a ten point advantage on the handicap. But I, I'm obviously I've got to pick my Rams. I. I'm really worried, though. I think it's going to be a lowish scoring game. I'm going to go for 20 points to 17 to the Rams. We've then got the Arizona Cardinals at the Seattle Seahawks. I'm betting on Gino. I think the Seahawks won't walk away with this one, and I've got it as a 26-23 win for the Seahawks. Well, I'm going to go for a Seahawks win as well, but I'm going for my second 31-30 game. because I think the Seahawks are just going to scrape it, and the end Cardinals will come back and just fall at the last second. We then have what's arguably the biggest matchup of the season oh. so far. <laughs> you know what one I'm talking about. Oh, it's yeah. the Buffalo Bills at the Kansas City Chiefs. Do you know what? I'm going for a repeat score from the playoffs. 42-36 to Kansas City as a final, but I don't have it going into overtime. I'm not going to go that way because I think the Bills are going to show up and I think that they're just going to sneak it. I think it's going to be 31 points to 28 to the Bills and I think it's because Josh Allen has he's come together with his receivers and he's just going to throw bombs and accurate bombs at that. I think either way uh, this is going to be an, an entertaining watch yeah. uh, so we then come to the Sunday night game the Dallas Cowboys at the Philadelphia Eagles do you know what I've got Cooper Rush doing it I've got him handing Ooh. the Eagles their first loss of the season it's going to be a close one in Philadelphia by the way but I've got the Cowboys winning this one 27-26 one pointer well I'm going for the Eagles but just because I think it's going to be 21 points to 20 as well as a one point, but the Eagles to snatch it. And I think it's going to be late on because I think they're just going to consistently get the ball down and just get there, just do enough because that's what the Eagles have done all season. So I think they're going to do it one more time. And then finally, we come to the Monday night game and it's the Denver Broncos (laughs) at the Los Angeles Chargers. Denver Broncos, prime time. Oh my God. 
Please oh. stop. But you know what? I'm betting on the Broncos. I've been betting against the Broncos past couple of weeks. I'm betting on them this time. And I think they're actually going to have a come from behind victory and finally get something going. Uh, and I think they're going to do it against the Chargers. And I've got the Broncos winning this one 28-27. And it will be a fourth quarter comeback. I'm sorry just to disappoint you like this, but I You're think not the Chargers. You're not. Uh, I'm not. It's not me that's disappointing no. you. But I, I'm going for a big scoring game, but in a very bad way. I think it's going to be 35 points to 17 to the Chargers. I'm sorry. I didn't want to do it, but I have to. Well, I think the Broncos are just awful right now I, on offense. I think if if the Chargers, if it is going to be a big scoring thing by the Chargers, then I don't see the Broncos scoring 17 points. We ha- we've, we've only scored 17 or more once. I was against the Raiders, um, Broncos. They'll be lucky, but I have to bet on my own team. So that wraps up the Rapid Fire uh, Week 6 preview. So, uh, Dave, we're just a bit out of time, but we do, of course, have time for one final segment. And it is, of course, Random Stats. So um, I'll tell you what, why don't I start for the Random Stats this week? Um, I'm going to take you back in time. I'm taking you back to Sunday. September 9th, 1979. Oof. The Buffalo Bills taking on the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, I, I, love, I love the coach name here. Now, Chuck Knox uh, was the coach of the Bills at the time. The, the coach of the Bengals was a guy called Homer Rice. Love it. This is a great uh-huh. name. Um, now, the Bills uh, easily beat the Bengals in this one. 51-24 they beat them. But I'm going to talk about one player. One player in particular for the Buffalo Bills. And his name was Roland Hooks. Okay? He's a Uh running back for the Buffalo Bills. Now, Roland Hooks in this game um, carried the ball five times for 70 yards. Right? So, you know, a fairly standard, fairly standard game. Um. In the fourth, uh, sorry, in, in, the, in the second half, I beg your pardon, he carried the ball four times. He had a run of three yards, a run of 32 yards, a run of four yards, and a run of 28 yards. But all four carries went for touchdowns. He was in the zone in this second half. So Roland Tooks carried the ball four times, Three yards, 32 yards, four yards, and 28 yards, and all four carries went for touchdowns. Uh, the Bills were just trying to run the ball on the Bengals, and my goodness, they fairly did that. So that's the story of Roland Hooks um, in the, on Sunday, September 9th, 1979, for the Buffalo Bills versus the Cincinnati Bengals. And that is my random stat. Nice short. Uh, nice short one, but at the same time, a very interesting one. So... My random stat is to do with what the NFL are celebrating right now. So what the NFL are celebrating right now? Hispanic Heritage Month. Now, I saw this on Madden because I like playing Madden because I'm obsessed with American football. And I thought, you know what? Why don't I have a look into some of the players of Hispanic Heritage? And it wasn't just a player, but also a head coach. So I want to talk about Tom Flores. Now, his one, one of his most famous quotes is, a total commitment is paramount to reaching the ultimate performance. Now, he, he, within the league, he lived and died by that. So 
while he was playing, he was with three teams as a quarterback. He was with the Oakland Raiders. He was with the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, he had an okay uh, career, to say the least, at quarterback, um, throwing for 93 touchdowns. But he also threw 92 interceptions, which isn't fantastic. Um, He was actually a much more successful head coach. Now, he succeeded John Madden at the Oakland Raiders. Now, that's one of, if not the toughest acts to follow, is the great John Madden, who obviously passed away not that long ago. So, in his first season, he went to a 9-7 record. But in his second season... He went to an he went eleven and five in the season, but that was also the year that they went to the Super Bowl and they beat the Philadelphia Eagles twenty seven points to ten in Super Bowl fifteen. Now that Super Bowl had some significance because they were the first wild card team to win a Super Bowl in the Super Bowl era. Now also, Tom Flores became the first minority head coach to win the Super Bowl. So that was great for him. Now, he was, he was still at the Raiders. However, they moved from Oakland to LA. In Super Bowl 18, three years later, he then took the LA Raiders to a 12-4 record and took them all the way to Super Bowl 18, where they beat the Washington Red Commanders. We'll call them that anyway. Now, they not only beat them, but they hammered them in that Super Bowl by 38 points to 9. Now, that's uh, by any Super Bowl standards. We've not seen quite... The, the last time, uh, after, or the next time after that, I think, you could argue was a bit of a white out. Might have been the Rams Patriots, but we don't want to go down that road. We don't, don't want to go down a negative <laughs> road. But his, his um, record as the Raiders head coach was 83 wins and 53 losses. Now, he also had a 72.7% uh, playoff win percentage. So that that's that's fantastic by any head coach standards. Now... The stat I want to focus on is that there have only been seven wildcard teams who have ever uh, won the Super Bowl uh, in the Super Bowl era. Now, we've already spoken about the Oakland Raiders. They were the first one to do it in 1981. So I want to ask you, can you name any of the other six? So the six other wildcard teams to win a Super Bowl? Yes. and They range between the late 90s and... The last couple of years, so they're quite spread out. But <clears throat> you should, I, I, I have faith in you that you will be able to get a couple of them. Okay, so I know the '97 Broncos, '98 Broncos, but yes, the Broncos. Uh, yeah, no, no, about '97 <laughs> season, '97 yeah. season Broncos. Yes, yes, um, they did. They were white The 2007. New York Giants or 2011? 2008, yeah. Absolutely. Eli was away from home every single year, if I, if I remember that rightly, and <laughs> all the way to the Super Bowl. Uh, were they also a wildcard team in 2011? No. No. No, okay. The... Right, let me see. Another wildcard team to win mm. Super Bowls. That's two. That's two of six. Two of six. Um, uh, that's a good a good game for Justin Fields. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Um, I yeah, I I can't think of any others. Okay, so, so I will I will go go yeah. for it. Go for it. I will. Okay, so 
2001 Super Bowl, the Bal- the Baltimore Ravens. What are they? What, are they, uh, what? they were a wild card team. The 2000 yeah. Ravens are a wild card team. Yes, they wow. were. Okay. Now, also, two years before the Giants, you had the Pittsburgh Steelers. In 2006, oh. they were another wild card team. But one, a surprising one, three years after the Giants, you had the Green Bay Packers, who were a wild card team in the, two, in the Super Bowl in 2011. Wow. But the, the biggest one in 2020, who was a wild card team that went to the Super Bowl? The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Ugh. Yes, I knew that. I knew that reaction was Ugh. coming. But they did. And they were the last team to do it. They were the first team in nine years to do it. And they were only the seventh team to do it as a wild card to win the Super Bowl. So seven teams have, have been wild cards and have then gone on to win the Super Bowl. The first man to do it as head coach, Tom Flores. The first Mexican in, uh, head coach to win the Super Bowl. And yeah, big shout out to Tom Flores. Now, am I right in thinking that Tom Flores is in the Hall of Fame? He is. He was inducted at the same time as Charles Woodson and Peyton Manning, among others. I think it was in 2021 he might have been inducted in. Huh. Um, yeah. I, he, he definitely he, he, did, was, he did, definitely did get inducted, yes. Uh, he, 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 was, he was one of those guys that I saw getting inducted and I was kind of going, hmm. Yeah, tw- hmm. 2021. Because you were still waiting for Marty Schottenheimer to get in. <laughs> yeah, we're still waiting for Mike Shanahan to get in, and it's just you're, you're just sitting going, you know, well, what do these guys need to do? Like seriously, <laughs> what what does Marty Schottenheimer need to do to to get into the into the Hall of Fame? It's it's a disgrace. It's a disgrace. He's not in the Hall of Fame, and you can't say, oh, it's because he didn't win a Super Bowl, because Mike Shanahan has like five rings. Yes, yeah. so. I don't know why he's not in. Another disgrace. Um, anyway, but yeah, I, I just remember, not nothing against Tom Flores. Um, I just remember seeing him um, in the Hall of Fame and thinking, oh, why is he in? And Marty Schottenheimer isn't, or uh, why is he in? Mike Shanahan isn't. Because there, there's guys in the Hall of Fame that you look at and go, I'm not saying they were bad quarters, but Bill Cower, right? Bill Cower, who was a student of Marty Schottenheimer is in mm-hmm. the Hall of Fame. And Marty Schottenheimer isn't. Is he, is he not? Does he not do TV? Is he not a studio analyst now? Bill Cowher? Bill Cowher? I think so. But, is, I mean, yeah. is that what gets you in the Hall of Fame? I mean, <laughs> Apparently so. No, it's just, it's just one of those things. I mean, you look at some coaches who are in the Hall of Fame and you think, why are they in... When Marty Schottenheimer and Mike Shanahan aren't in. I understand why Jeff Fisher's not in. Do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. I, I get that. Tony Dundee's in the Hall of Fame. I get that, yeah. You know, Marv Levy. Yeah. yeah. I've got no issues yeah. that. Hank Stram. Good Hank Stram. Of course he's in. But you've got coaches. I mean, Marty Schottenheimer, good grief. He, he coached for... Oh, it's a 20, 20 odd years. I think he's got like the, 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 he's in the top 10 of wins all time by a coach. And everyone around him is in the Hall of Fame. And he's like the only man not in the Hall of Fame. 
in the, in the top. I, I forget. I'm just I'm seeing top ten. I don't know if it actually yeah, is and top ten. It's 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 a shame now because you know obviously he did pass away last year. So yeah, it's that, that it's going to be a posthumous Hall of Fame entry for him, and it's a shame because obviously he's one of the best ever to do it, and yeah. he didn't get the recognition when he was alive. And and another one is um, another ex Broncos coach, Dan Reeves. Dan Reeves was another one. He he coached for whatever twenty odd years, and and as a player, he won Super Bowls as a player. He was in multiple Super Bowls as a coach, and he was a player. In fact, he was a player coach with Dallas as well. So he was mm-hmm. a player, player coach, and a coach. And I think he appeared in seven Super Bowls. Yeah, and he's not in the Hall of Fame. Man, you just think it's so bizarre. But then we've spoken about this before with the Hall of Fame voting. Uh, yeah, it's... and you, you just think, right, what's going on here? Uh-huh. Just because someone had, you know, a, like a, a nice story or something to get in the Hall of Fame, I, I just think that's wrong. Because there are players and coaches who deserve to be in the Hall of Fame who are not in the Hall of Fame, and they should have been in years ago. And this is a this is a problem uh, mm-hmm. that's going on. But um, yeah, Marty, uh, well, uh, Marty Short, I'm, yeah. I'm ringing the bell for Marty Short now, man. Yeah, but also one one extra random stat for Marty Schottenheimer. He is the only eligible NFL coach with 200 regular season wins who has not been inducted. So that needs to be fixed. That really needs to be fixed very quickly. And, you know, he's, he's, yeah, he's he's one of the best to ever do it. And And yet, for some reason, he's not. Yeah, and I, I, I get, you know, it's sort of like the quarterbacks thing. Where people talk about Super Bowls, but I think it, it, you know it. You can argue it's more important for a coach to to get Super Bowls, and I, I get mm-hmm. that. Chuck Knoll, for example, four what is it? Four Super Bowls he won with the Steelers, yeah, in four four in six yeah, years, yeah, four, yeah, in six years. I mean, that's that's as impressive as it gets. Um, but you think Marty Schottenheimer, and, and like his winning percentage was ridiculous as well and everything about Marty Schottenheimer is just he he should be in the Hall of Fame so get him in there um oh I'll actually do you know what just before we go a wee wee bonus random stat because I remember looking um at uh, um coaches before it was it was I was going looking at a random I think it was last week the week before and it was about um wins and losses uh, because I was trying to think you know where where is Bill Belichick on the on the wins list he's third He's third on the wins list, uh, like all-time wins. He's like uh-huh. nearly 300 all-time wins. Um, but Bill Belichick, as a coach, has never had a tied game. And he's coached wow. something like, it's like it's like well over 400 games. I, I forget what the number is, but he's never had a tie in a game. That's bonkers. When you 400, think, yeah, four hundred eighty-one games. Is, is a four, four, Is that how many he's actually coached? Four hundred eighty-one games. Wow. As head coach, and it's That's never obviously not. Yeah, not including co- coordinators or whatever. As head coach, since he was the head, he was head coach in uh, Cleveland, ninety-one to ninety-five, and he's been the Patriots head coach to, since two thousand. Oh, don't don't forget, he was Jets head coach for a day. He was Jet he, for, oh, for a day. That's right, <laughs> one day. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that, that's just a wee, a wee bonus random stat there that um I, I couldn't I couldn't remember how many he'd actually coached. But I remember seeing that he'd never tied a game, and I think that's that's utterly bizarre. Especially these days, you're seeing so many more ties than you used to see. So mm-hmm. many more ties. Anyway. 
Dave, thank you very much. I thoroughly enjoyed that. That was a good episode of the show. Um, it a pleasure. Oh, that's what I like it's to hear. Um, next week's show, obviously, we'll be having our week six recap. Uh, and then we'll have our week seven rapid fire preview. And, of course, the uh, random stats. Everyone's favorite segment uh, don't forget you can hit us up on twitter and get myself uh, dave and jake on twitter and get us at the WinFL show as well uh, please keep uh, commenting and sending the love we really appreciate it and we appreciate everyone who listens to our show uh, to think that when we started this back in february we'd, we'd actually have some kind of following albeit a small one we don't mind that um, then you know it's it's just it makes it all worthwhile for us so dave thank you again pal not at all. Thank you for having me. And uh, we will catch you on next week's edition of The Winner Fell Show.